Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. People continued rolling in all day yesterday after the show. Yeah. And people have continued rolling in all day today. It's a, I should have realized that most people were probably going to come like Wednesday and Thursday. Not a whole lot happens on Monday and Tuesday, obviously. Yeah. And Although the schedule is packed. It is. Yeah, I, I was looking at it this morning, just trying to see. Hey, is there anything that you know I, you know, sort of can't miss stuff for me personally? And I was looking through it. I was surprised at how packed the schedule actually is. I'm like, wow, there is a lot of people doing a lot of stuff here. I would almost suggest that it's too packed, right? Because it's it's unwieldy in how you go about. It. There, there's no good search function. Yeah. There's no good filter options either. I would love to be able to sort by just the pavilion mm. or just the fire tent right. or just whatever venue. Because there's tons of venues here. And that's one of the decentralized aspects of the Porcupine Freedom Festival that I love so much. Yep. You have your site. Your site can be a venue and you can host whatever events you want. Such as last night at RV47 right next to us. This is sort of the, the Monadnock region. Or no, because we also got the Gordons down there. The, I guess this is the Shire Society Lounge. That's what Matt and Chris uh, called yeah. it. Yeah, although we renamed it last night uh, the Sofa Cabana. Okay. So somebody donated a sofa. I saw that. <laughs> to, I was to the to the big tent, and so who brought who the hell brought a sofa here? It was it was somebody who has one of the uh, the mobile homes here. Okay, and they're like, it's just been sitting on our porch. You know, you guys want to want to use it and then get rid of it when you're done or whatever. So oh, that we'll may either, be a you problem. Yeah, yeah. We'll either but, give it away or we'll burn it in a fire or something. <laughs> that's really awesome of them. So thank you so much to whoever did that. There is a map up here that I meant to add Free Talk Live to. There's a large map. That yeah. of the entire campground and people go through and they add their venue or whatever onto yeah. the map and it's really convenient but the map on porkfest.com slash schedule it's a little bit busy and they do offer a pdf version of it and an iCal version i don't i assume that's iCalendar or something it is yeah it's for the the i people but the pdf version is worse than the browser version i only looked at it on my mobile device right i used the mobile browser to check it out and it, it wasn't good yeah. but the pdf was worse because the text overlapped in awkward ways like one text field began before the other hit ended oh, that I sort of thing that. yeah yeah, yeah and that's it, bad tech but, you know, there's options here, uh, and I would love to see the Porcupine Freedom Festival avail itself of some of these options, like adding the ability to filter to just the pavilion or by the venue. But I love it, and there used to be the app Hoover that the Porcupine Freedom Festival used that achieved this sort of thing, but that was partially what was keeping them from decentralizing, right? Uh, because right. you had to, in order to get, everyone used Hoover. Yep. To find out what was going on, they specifically promoted Hoova as the way to do that. Right. But you couldn't just create your event and get it on Hoova. They had to do this well in advance. The way the system is right now, I'm fairly sure that I could just go online and make an event for Free Talk Live here at RV46, and it would be broadcast. It would you know go out immediately. Yeah. But with the Hoova app, it was much more limited. For the Forkfest from three years ago, uh, where FUD played, we I was going to say, was that the same app that you did a thing on? No, I uh, used, I want to say it was Eventify. I looked into Hoofa. Yeah. But they were like, okay, cool. We're going to, let's schedule this meeting for us to do a Zoom meeting and we can step you through. And I'm like, no, 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 look, I want to give you money yeah. for your software. And then I want to be left alone to use your software. 
I don't need a 30-minute seminar. I don't need a sales pitch. <laughs> I need a way to give you money uh, yeah. and be able to use this software. Yeah. Right? I can f- I'm a tech person. I can figure my way out around it. Yeah. But they, they just would not cooperate. They're like, no, we, and we, we have to do this meeting, this uh, seminar yeah. thing. So I was like, okay, well, screw you. So I looked up their competitions and... Eventify, I believe, was the one we ended up using, and it was it was super convenient. But it was centralized again, where yeah. in order for anyone to add something, they had to go through me, and that was not ideal, obviously. But there was a way to make all of the people who signed up for Eventify into admins, so they could make uh. their own stuff. However, they still had to sign up in advance, and I still had to go in afterward and approve them to be an admin. Okay, and at that point, you know, you've got. 600 people running around as the administrators of this app, many of them, as we talked about yesterday, not tech savvy. Uh, And you don't really want that sort of thing. I still don't, like other people claim that I'm tech savvy and I don't, I mean, I have been involved in technology. I have done software QA. I, you know, I have some networking experience. I have some software experience, that kind of thing. So I guess I am, but like I don't even really consider myself that tech savvy. Like I, I, I say all the time, uh, Free Talk Live, the wizardry uh, hierarchy goes like this: Ian, Arya, me, and then Mark. As far as like the first chair people, oh, Mark doesn't belong anywhere on that. No, list. I, that's why he's. I at love the bottom, Mark to death, right? but like he, he, no. Last night, it happened. The peak night of Forkfest, and you debuted your EP. I did for the people who it were here. It was a packed tent. It was. I came in and it was a lot of fun. I had to leave shortly after the songs like wrapped up because yeah. I had, had to walk my dog and all yeah, of that yeah. stuff. I didn't time things properly. I saw you there. Yeah, but I was there for that, and it, it was it was really good. I, I was very yeah, I was very impressed with it. The the sound, especially the the guitar, sounded different to me than the tone that I remembered you playing with uh-huh. a few years ago. Yeah, and I like the newer tone a lot better. Yeah, I uh, so to me the guitar tone. Uh, I, I'm happy with it, but it sounds like my living room because that's where I recorded the guitars at, right? So uh, all rooms have a you know a unique character to them. Yeah. Uh, when you go to like a you know a paid for acoustically designed uh, recording studio, those rooms are designed to have a flat response, and so right. you don't get any character out of those. So all of the character comes from your amp. But uh, as a DIY guy. I don't have that luxury, and uh, so I just recorded the guitars in my living room, and I used a couple of different mic techniques on it. I used the XY, so oh, so one you actually mic'd it instead of doing a line in, right? Okay, yeah, uh, I did that. Uh, I did record one track of clean guitar for like reamp purposes, so I didn't have to like physically play the whole song again. Reamp, man, that's one of the best technologies out there. And for those who don't know, it allows you to just record the the raw input from the guitar, and yep. it removes or it ignores all of the processing to it, and then you can go through afterward and add whatever processing you want. It's not as good in my opinion as like finding the tone you want and playing it live yeah but it's the best way to find the tone you want i had been using uh a couple of uh, simulator software simulators uh my i was using an r16 multi-track uh to and it's got a built-in like uh, rectifier tone for for a heavy metal tone and i was using that for a while as just sort of my go-to sort of scratch tone or if i needed to do some recording and it's pretty good but 
I can tell that it's not a real tone. I can tell that it's a software-driven tone, and okay. I didn't want that on this particular record. So I did I did a, a couple of mic, different mic techniques. I used the XY technique, uh, which is one microphone, what they call on-axis, or pointed at the center of the cone, and one microphone off-axis, which is pointed at where the, uh, the, the dome of the cone and the speaker cone meet. There's a seam right there. Okay. And if you point the second mic at that, and the first mic at the center of the co- of the cone, uh, you can then pan them hard left and hard right, and then you get, uh, you know, sort of a professional sure. sounding tone. So I was able to use that and, and get a pretty good tone. I'm most happy actually with uh, the videos the way they came out. Yeah, they were really awesome. I forgot to mention that it wasn't just a debut of these songs themselves, but there were actually music videos attached to them as well. And two of them were uh, lyric visualizers, which. It, I, I wanted to say just visual lyric visualizers, but that makes it sound like you know it's not as cool as it could be. But it was it was really awesome. It showed the lyrics on the screen, which is super convenient. I love that sort of thing. Yeah. I love subtitles. One of my best friends, Guar, happens to be his favorite band, mm-hmm. and Butcher Babies are my favorite band. So we were like, "Wow, amazing! Let us go see this concert." Because he and I also go to a lot of concerts together. But no, instead of going to see Butcher Babies, I get to go to prison, which will make this the first year since I began listening to him that I did not see Butcher Babies live. Uh-huh. And I generally see them like three or four times a year. Yeah. Right now they're in uh, Europe doing three or their four tour times though. a year. Uh-huh. They really are your favorite band. Well, they also, I mean, their tickets are 25 bucks, right? They're, oh, wow. That's even more impressive. Yeah. They're one of these, they're, they're not a big name band. They are, right? Like yeah. a lot of people in the metal scene know who the Butcher Babies sure, are, yeah. but they're, it's, you're not paying like Tool and Metallica prices to see them. Yeah. And that, and they usually come to New Hampshire. Or they came to Manchester last year, or Hampton. What's it called? Hampton is where they came. I don't remember. I. But they weren't supposed I don't to. Remember, and yeah. it was like a last minute thing. They were like, "Hey, we're adding this show." I was like, "All right, I will also go to that show because it's an hour away from me, and the tickets are twenty bucks." Yeah. So that's one of the things I love about the Butcher Babies. Last time I saw them, it was in. New York, it was in Poughkeepsie. Yeah. And they were on tour with Lacuna Coil, which. That's a good bill. It sort of, but I have a hard time having any respect for uh, Christina Scappa. Okay. That's the singer for Lacuna Coil. And this is because she, she knows that she's the star and she doesn't help. She doesn't use the spotlight to shine any attention on the rest of her band. Yeah. And that to me is not okay. Like after the another thing I really hate about shows is the encore. Can we stop this nonsense? <laughs> stop playing the fake encore. Yeah. yeah, we know you're going to play another song. How how bad? How out of control is your ego? Yeah, that you have to stop the concert and wait three or four minutes for everyone to cheer and tell you how wonderful you are before you come out and finish. Yeah, that's something I got tired of a long even in the nineties, right? Even with like Megadeth and stuff like that, right? They they do the same. Thing I saw yep. Judas Priest. They did the same thing, and it's like okay, like we know it's going to happen. You don't have to pretend, guys. No, it's a formality at this point. It's it's just ego stroking. I can't think of any other reason why it would continue. Yeah. And Lacuna Coil obviously did this, and I actually thought they were done because it had they had been playing a really long time at that point. But the crowd started uh, chanting, "Not Lacuna Coil." 
but Christina, Christina, Christina. Uh. And she didn't come out and be like, no, guys, cheer for Lacuna Coil or anything like that. She just came out and, and reveled. And I'm like, girl, you are one person. And there's like six people in your band. <laughs> right. right? Yeah. yeah. One of the reasons I like Tool is because they sort of do the opposite of that, right? They intentionally shine the spotlight on everyone except the singer. Yeah. At one point, the last time I saw Tool in Connecticut, like $400 tickets, by the way. I was going to say, uh, I recently looked into, um, uh, the, are you familiar with the comedian Bill Burr? I don't think so. Uh, anyway, he uh, He's doing a tour, and so uh, he's playing in mass somewhere. And I was like, oh, that sounds like fun. I'll go look at tickets. 400 bucks. <sighs> I'm yeah. like, I'm not paying 400 bucks to see a stand-up comedian. I'm sorry. Just not going to happen. Yeah, I don't blame you. I, I did pay $400 to see Tool. I don't think I would do it again, simply because what was frustrating about that album was that, like, this is not a greatest hits tour, right? Yeah. But they had just released an album, and you would expect they would be touring on that album, and they would play every song from that album. Yeah. But they didn't. They played like three songs from it. Everything else was old material. Like it was absolutely a greatest hits tour, which is fine. Yeah. But during the concert, what I was getting at was Maynard left at one point. Maynard is a singer. He just left the stage. Mm -hmm. And this is partly because Tool drones on and on. Their songs are obnoxiously long. They do. Yeah. They play epic, you know, half hour. No, not half hour, but you know, seven to 12 minute songs are normal for those guys. Yeah. So he's got long periods where he can just like, you know, go take a nap or whatever. Yeah. Tempest on their new album is the most obnoxious. It comes in at over 17 minutes. Yeah. I can't do that. Like, the one of the first albums I ever put together with with one of my bands, we, you know, we had been together. We wrote a bunch of songs and we put them all. So we had a seventeen song release that we put on the on the nice. first album. I am expecting a call at some point this week from the U.S. Marshals, yeah, telling me what prison I will be doing my time in, and. I wish there that seems so like unofficial to me. It seems so It does, doesn't it? So bizarre that yeah. their method of doing this would be to call me yeah. on the phone. It's like, oh, we're just gonna text you and just yeah. let you know. I, I was like, you know, can they let you know instead? Because I don't want to talk to the US Marshals. I said this to my attorney, and it's like, these are cops and you're basically allowing me to talk to cops here and I, I don't know about this. He's like, Well it's fine, they're not looking they're they're not investigating yourself, but they're cops. And I don't talk to cops, but I have to talk yeah, to cops yeah. because they're going to be holding me in prison. And those soon. are like super cops, too. Yeah. They U.S. Marshal? Yeah. Like, that's no joke. Yeah. That, that ain't your typical town cop. They're no, some it, serious bastards. It was the U.S. Marshals that took me into custody on March the 16th of 2021. And, oh, really? You know, it's, they're, they're not fun to deal with, right? No, so, I can imagine. I am expecting that call. And, you know, it could be that I'm told I'm going to be serving my time in Texas or somewhere where... I have the option of flying down there and starting my sentence in the correct prison or checking myself in here and getting slowly bussed down there one day at a time. <laughs> Look, man, if, if those are the options, oh. I'm going to be buying a plane ticket to Texas or whatever. Right. Yeah, I don't yeah. blame you. Yeah. I, I would hate that because that, oh, that would almost feel like starting my sentence early. But the alternative is to ride in a U.S. Marshal's bus, presumably, mm -hmm. for I mean, 12 hours a day. Nobody wants that. No, no. Well, no one wants to be in their custody, right? Well, no one wants to be in prison, I'm sure. But that's coming up, right? For now, it's Although that just... might not be true, because there are some people who uh, 
uh, become institutionalized. Well, they can't uh, cope; like they can't yeah. handle themselves, and so these people find ways to reoffend to get sent back to prison to be taken care of. I know people who have done that with jail, but I don't know anyone who's ever done it with prison. Well, and I've heard of homeless people who, you know, if you don't have a place to stay, I'm sorry. Three hots in a cot. Yeah, Yeah, New Hampshire. It's cold up here in the winter. Mm. So, I mean, it's better than freezing to death. And like you said, three hots in a cot. You get food, you get a... You get medical care, you get entertainment, you know? I I mean, mean, technically, you get medical care. It's... More so than like, I mean, if you're homeless and poor, right? You know? Yeah. I guess that would be better than nothing. Well, I mean, hospitals can't turn you away. So if you're homeless and poor, just like go to the hospital, right? Yeah. Okay. But anyway, we are here at the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Things are getting set up. And I'm not going to prison yet. So I'm here enjoying myself. And it's going to be... The sound of uh, sledgehammers hitting stakes permeates the the airwaves around us. That was an actual jackhammer, The smell of U-Hauls is in the air. That was an actual jackhammer, too. I ended up walking by this. Like, <laughs> they, they were banging stakes yeah. into the ground. Mm, and stakes. I don't know why they needed a jackhammer hey, to achieve this. Work smarter, no not one, harder. You but know? no one else needed a jackhammer to get their things <laughs> nailed down, Although right? it is nice to know that if we run into something here this week that we need a jackhammer for, why, yeah. there's one here. Yeah, I guess that's true. So I... There's other stuff going on in Lancaster this week. Of course, the drag show that was going to be at the Lancaster Public Library Mm -hmm. was canceled. Mm -hmm. And I actually need to check my phone at some point to see if the second drag queen ever got back in touch with me. I'm assuming not. Uh, One of them finally got back in touch with me like last week at some point after several days. And she was like, no, I've already got something else scheduled for that day. So, okay. But so the drag show was canceled, and now we're just doing a little uh, training story hour on June the 22nd at 3 o'clock p.m. here at the Free Talk Live site. Nice. That's going to be a lot of fun. But other stuff, like the police checkpoint happening in Lancaster this weekend. Yeah, I heard about that. Uh, I don't like that at all. But doesn't Lancaster have, like, one cop? Uh, I mean, it can't be more than two. They might have two. I, mean, I don't know how many a cops they tiny, have. Tiny, tiny place that like. I mean, I don't think it's a coincidence. Why you know, is it have... the case that when you zoom in via Chrome while looking at Reddit, it makes the page smaller, but zooming out makes it larger? Very curious. But I, they can't have a lot of cops, right? It is a very small town, and they tend to not bother free staters, right? Because we we sort of keep this town afloat each year. It's certainly a big cash cow for them. Yeah. Uh, all the hotels and restaurants and yeah. you know the coffee shops and all that kind of stuff get frequented by everybody that comes through here for this festival. Yeah, and nothing even remotely the size of this festival happens any other time of the year. It's just a little, small little town in the mountains of New Hampshire. So they don't want to upset the Porcupine Freedom Festival too much. However... The Lancaster Police Department was granted a superior court petition to conduct a sobriety checkpoint in 2023. And it doesn't say it here, but it is this week. Oh, yes, it does say it at the end of the next paragraph. Show us your papers. Show us your papers. It's very curious, right? I'm not overly worried about 
libertarians like failing at this sobriety checkpoint because I libertarians mean, are generally good about not drinking and driving. Yeah, but what I would be worried about is people that don't subscribe to the notion that you need a driver's license or, you know, oh. all of those things. I think that would be a bigger issue for this crowd. Well, that's a really good point. And it is a sobriety checkpoint. So maybe there still maybe need to show your license. That, you? I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure you would still need to show like license and registration and all those things. But I'm not positive because I've never gone through one of these checkpoints before. We should put up a uh, like a like a police checkpoint, you know, and just only harass the police. Well, that's essentially <laughs> a checkpoint what the, for the police. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's no. essentially what the gate up there is. Right. Like, cops yeah, that's, don't true. Tend to... that's true. So that sucks. The purpose of the sobriety checkpoint is to detect, apprehend and ultimately deter the impaired driver. Well, if they're not wrecking and dying, why can't they drive? I realize Sarah from New Mexico is just, her heart is breaking to hear me say that, but <laughs> I doubt she listens to the show. She, we know she doesn't. Yeah. But if they can, if they can drink and drive, I don't encourage it. And I think one should not do it, but if they're capable of doing it without wrecking, without harming anyone or their property, I don't see any reason they shouldn't be allowed to do that as controversial as that statement is there are degrees of sobriety and degrees of people being able to cope with their alcohol yeah of course and if you're completely inebriated yeah don't get behind the wheel and your right. friends should do their you know do their friendly duty to you know keep everybody safe and you know but drinking and driving was why christopher kentwell was banned from the porcupine freedom festival a number of years ago he remains banned since which well that that was the reason that was cited as why yeah. they banned him. And the official reason. He popped in like two years ago and took a picture with a sign that they hadn't taken down yet. And that, that made the Porcupine Freedom Festival people really unhappy because, you know, he's a white supremacist. But that means that Christopher Cantwell came all the way up here to troll for a few hours. Anyway, he was banned from the Porcupine Freedom Festival for drinking and driving. And it appears to have been a lifetime ban which might be a little excessive, in my opinion. However, when we were talking about all of these controversies with Dennis Pratt on the show a number of weeks ago, he admitted that he's more interested in allowing people who can draw a crowd to speak at the pavilion. And Christopher Cantwell, of course, would absolutely draw a crowd. So we were talking about different people being, you know, status and whether or not we wanted them here. And Dennis pointed out that his primary motive was people who can draw a crowd. So, okay, Christopher Cantwell, he draws a crowd. If we can get him down here, would he be allowed to speak? And to his credit, Dennis said yes. So that I, I thought we had him in a gotcha, right? But yeah, no, apparently he, not. He yeah. stood by what he was saying. So I, kudos to him for that. It, it seems anti- or antithetical to a freedom festival to ban people. Absolutely, it does. It just I, I, and I realize that there are people who you know might oh I don't know get under people's skin more than others or do things that other people's people might not approve of or might not like. But that's the whole point of this. The whole point of this is for freedom loving people to be able to get together and. Do whatever you want as long as you're not harming anyone mm -hmm. or taking their stuff. Well, I understand the need to ban people, right? As someone who, if someone is threatening aggression or has, or has been aggressive against someone, or there's reasonable belief that they will be aggressive, I understand banning people on that grounds. I would suggest that's probably the the only justifiable grounds for banning someone from the festival. Yeah. 
Ian, of course, was banned for saying something controversial on Free Talk Live. But Ooh, what? Uh, an right. activist saying something <laughs> controversial on his own freaking radio show? Wow. I mean, we don't. We never say anything no, controversial on Free Talk Live. We definitely we totally have not- don't have a rainbow flag and a, a satanic flag over there. Yeah, no, certainly not those simultaneously. Are, those no, are figments not. of people's imaginations, right? We've certainly never been kicked off entire radio stations for some of our positions that being controversial mm-hmm. never happened. And we we don't have a trans person causing a lot of controversy just by literally just by being here, just existing. Yeah. So, no, we shy away from controversy, but that set the precedent. And since then, we've seen countless people being banned from the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Like, there's an actual list now of people banned from Porkfest. It's, it cre- it's crazy because it feels very hypocritical because, yes, this is a freedom festival. And like you mentioned, I agree with you. The only reason why someone should be banned is if they are threatening violence, already committed an act of violence, or are a legitimate potential threat in some way. Trolling or saying something that somebody doesn't like Ooh. isn't grounds to ban someone, this, in my opinion. This this gives me a, a, a thing to think about, though, because if somebody is going to, oh, I don't know, run for an office, for example, <laughs> perhaps even that of the president, right? Mm-hmm. Aren't they vicariously threatening us? Uh, it feels like it. Right? So shouldn't they Not be necessarily. Banned, right? but... Shouldn't, like, RFK be banned? Mm, I mean... Considering this is a libertarian festival, you think you wouldn't have statists that are running for, you know, presidential office speaking, but... Well, Dennis specifically said he doesn't want to have a libertarian purity test as a requirement for speaking at the pavilion. And, yeah. And I get that. Because yeah, I get that. that. That opens up the possibility for every libertarian to accuse like, everyone else of not yeah. being libertarian enough to Here, speak. You have yeah. to take this quiz if you want to come to our festival. Nazis, I want to make them feel unwelcome. I, I want to make not see this coming. Yeah. <laughs> I heard that way too many times in the movie Tusk to even pretend to laugh about it at this point. I had to get it in there, though. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a good one, right? It's but I joke. want Nazis I to feel unwelcome, and I want conservatives to feel unwelcome. This is not a conservative festival <gasps> really it's a libertarian mm-hmm. gathering and yeah, it I seems understand- like a lot of people are confused about that they are increasingly confused uh, conservatives in general are increasingly confused these days about what exactly they are especially as all of this trans this drag queen and trans stuff is making the news the lines seem to be getting blurrier and blurrier for their conservatives. Yeah. But realist, I had someone say on Twitter today, I, I said, I criticize conservatives for something. She's like, you could say the same thing about liberals. Rah, rah, rah. I was like, look, if I can't criticize conservatives without you going, but liberals, then that's a you problem. Yeah. The rest of us can have a conversation without deflecting. Yeah. So I'm going to go back to my conversation about deflecting. And she goes, well, whatever. I'm not even a conservative. Within a second of looking at her Twitter profile, it's clear she's a conservative. Conservative. It's saved by the grace of God uh, in her Twitter bio, right? That's yeah. your first clue. And then everything she posts after that is either anti-abortion or uh, pro-life. I'll be nice about it. Is either pro-life or against uh, drag queens or trans people or yeah. re- repeatedly calling trans women men, re- like Dylan Mulvaney repeatedly referring yeah. to Mulvaney as he. And like, oh, okay, yeah, you're not conservative. And Yeah, she could have just wrote... 
I hate freedom as her Twitter bio, and it would have saved her a lot of characters. I'm willing to give them that there's a lot of overlap between libertarianism and conservatism. But same, you could say the same yes. things about the left. There yeah. is plenty of overlap between liberalism, progressivism, and libertarianism as mm-hmm. well, especially on on more social positions, right? Like, no one's saying you have to be gay, or you have to be trans, or you have to get abortions, or any of these other things. All we're saying is... That people should have the right to make their own decisions. Right. A person should have the right to determine their own health care. They, they should be able to talk to their doctor and make a decision with their doctor about how they want their health to be treated. It does, Mr. Conservative, it doesn't involve you. Yeah. Leave these people to their own health care. Yeah. Well, and that's the problem with just politics in general is it really boils down to people arguing on how to control everybody else. That's all That's politics all it is. is. They, yeah. they, they want to impose their will upon everybody else. They want to tell everybody else what they can and cannot do. And that's not what freedom is about. Freedom is about you leaving people alone to do whatever the heck they want as long as they're not hurting you or damaging your property. That's it. That's it's all it's supposed to be. It's absolutely amazing to me that it was less than three years ago that Republicans, mm-hmm. conservatives, were saying, my body, my choice yeah. Yeah. in regard to the COVID-19 vaccine and to vaccines in general. That was only three years ago. And already they've completely thrown that out and are arguing that my body, my choice just doesn't apply to people who are trans. If they, they initially said if they happen to be under 18, but they threw, it, they threw that out earlier. And it's very clear at this point that it's just the same old homophobia that it's always been with these people celebrating the exodus of LGBT people from Florida saying, thank God, these people are finally leaving. Okay, so it actually is just the same old homophobia. You were Mm. just hiding it better and using that same tired old excuse that people always do that is for the kids. Won't someone please think of the children? Like South Park memed this 15 years ago. That's how much of a cliche this is, and it's still ongoing. It's always for the kids. And I said this before on the show, but if your kid turns out to be gay because they saw a rainbow flag or went to like a pride <laughs> parade or something. Your kid was gay in the first place. Absolutely. You know? Hey, Daily Digestion listeners, this is Riley Blake. I enjoy Free Talk Live and I know you do too, but finding time to listen to an entire episode isn't always easy. So I produce the Daily Digest. I appreciate those of you who have supported me on Patreon and sent Bitcoin to me to thank me for producing these digests. For those who wish to support me on Patreon, visit patreon.com slash crblake86. If you wish to send Bitcoin, visit patreon.com slash crblake86 for those details. That's patreon.com slash crblake86. Thank you. I heard you on Wednesday and you were really blackpilled at, uh, like... We lost. Uh, yes. No, you absolutely didn't. No, we absolutely did. I mean, did. okay, I, I get how uh, the, the shops that uh, take it are, are sparse uh, in comparison to where they used to be because everyone got a little frightened off. Oh, Keen no longer being the crypto mecca is not the reason that we lost. The reason that we lost is because the government, 
through Coinbase and Binance, took control of the on-ramps to cryptocurrency. That's impossible. But that's what they did. Okay, so they have some of the on-ramps to cryptocurrency. They have all of the meaningful on-ramps. Unless you live in New Hampshire and you happen to know a bunch of libertarians with cryptocurrency, which, as I said then, might be a few hundred people throughout the entire world. The avenues for the average person to get cryptocurrency is Coinbase and Binance. Except that the nature of it is that you can always pluck it out of the air. Or find someone who's plucking it out I of the air. I assume you mean by mining? Yeah, exactly. Well, we talked about mining as well, but the amount of cryptocurrency that one gets from mining is, is inconsequential. I mean, I've got a $2,500 graphics card, and I, I'm not getting any significant amount of money from mining, even if I was using it. I think Captain has an ASICS, and he's, I think he's pulling ahead on his electric bills, but nice. people aren't. We're, we're talking about a world in which cryptocurrency is used daily and mm. if someone is only getting you know three hundred dollars of cryptocurrency per month that's not enough to really do anything with and i mean sure a person can mine Ravencoin or monero or whatever and get trace amounts of cryptocurrency but that's negligible compared to being able to just buy a thousand dollars worth of monero from someone right and and in order for it to function as money it has to be hard to mine but the point there is that it's available everywhere so everyone's not too far from someone who can have this. It's so, available everywhere in the same way that grass and air are available everywhere, though. And mm-hmm. the amount of money that one gets from mining cryptocurrency, again, is just inconsequential. It's never, no one can mine cryptocurrency for an entire year and then come up to ForkFest and subsist the entire week mm-hmm. on the currency they mined. Right. Just like we don't spend our time mining gold. And we mostly didn't when that was the. Uh, absolute money throughout the world. I need you world. to get closer to the mic. Yeah, even when gold was the absolute money throughout the world, we didn't uh, spend all of our time mining it. Well, no, we did other things and then we traded right, for gold. Right, that's, and, that's, and that's exactly But people don't works. have the cryptocurrency to trade in the first place. Cryptocurrency yeah, is controlled by very, very few people. Like, we haven't even hit 5% adoption, so we're already at, like, maybe at most, mm-hmm. 1 in 20 people even have cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. You, you say this like it's like it's you know not a problem, but uh, okay. So uh, so how are people going to so distribute this thing if, if that they don't have? Have you ever studied, say, uh, bacteria taking over a sandwich? Yes. Right. To an extent, so, I mean, I wouldn't say I studied it, but I'm aware of the right. phenomenon. So, so it it hits a certain point where it's uh, it's called a viral load if it's a virus or a bacterial load if it's a bacterium. It hits a certain point where it has gone through the threshold uh, of like yes, it colloquially no is be... called crossing the Rubicon. It's right. usually that fifteen percent threshold, but we can't hit that. Oh, we we've already because people can't get cryptocurrency. How how is to... how is John Doe supposed to find someone to buy Bitcoin from? Local Bitcoins is closed. Agoradesk, uh, Ian corrected me, it does still exist. I thought they had suspended operations or something like that. But you, So you still have this dark market or this darknet thing, but that's very few people even know how to use the darknet. And then, you, then they have to go on there and somehow acquire cryptocurrency. And that's at most one in 20 people even have it to sell them. And a lot of those aren't even willing to sell it, which effectively removes it from the supply. So no Or man, you talk to people. Or you use like one of I the said, many exchanges that, that are still operating. Like I said, that applies to maybe 100 or 200 people in New Hampshire. And that's the thing. I mean, we're we're only used to our experience living here in New Hampshire where we have, you know, like, it is abundant here. Yes. You know, it is very easy to get. I mean, I get paid in cryptocurrency. I can buy cryptocurrency. It's, it's easy for me to say, yeah, it's so easy to get cryptocurrency. Mm. If you're, like Arya said, John Doe from... 
Missouri or wherever where they don't live in, you know, a libertarian utopia society, it's significantly more difficult. And there are so many people who haven't even heard about cryptocurrency. And I don't like I don't think we should necessarily give up on crypto. You know, I, I do I do still really like crypto. I still use crypto. But to me, cryptocurrency is not the end all be all answer for freedom and for living in a free society. I, I would say that it is the pivotal tool. It and could be, but it could, it's, it could it's not been. the end-all, be-all. Oh, no, it still you know, will be. So here's the thing. In order for a society to change sufficiently where it can fully accept cryptocurrency... Keep in mind, you're talking to someone who's going to prison for selling cryptocurrency. Right. You're wearing a shirt about the Crypto 6, and I'm one of the Crypto 6 telling yeah. you that this battle that Ian and I and others fought, we lost. Almost no one keeps their bedroom curtains wide open when they have sex. And it's not because they're doing anything illegal or anything shady. It's because they rightfully want their privacy while they engage Mm -hmm. in their own business. And that's the same reason why people want financial privacy through cryptocurrency or through gold and silver. But short of Monero and like Zcash and Horizon and some other like uh, privacy specific cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin in particular, right? You have more anonymous using more anonymity using the USD than you yeah. do using Bitcoin. Absolutely. And that wouldn't necessarily be true if people could get Bitcoin from someone in a decentralized peer-to-peer way. But now they can trace that Bitcoin all the way back to whoever bought it from Coinbase and they can say, ban this wallet address, don't ever, or this set of HD addresses and don't ever send cryptocurrency to them again. They can blacklist countless IP addresses and keep people from being able to use those or just shutting them out of cryptocurrency entirely. We saw this with Ethereum, where the Biden administration decided that because people had used some Ethereum mixer to to clean money that was traded to North Korea, anyone who had sent funds through that mixer their wallets were blacklisted. And that's probably a lot of people. Right, which meant that any cryptocurrency you had that, it, it, let's say you had 10 Bitcoin and one of them went through this mixer, but all 10 of your Bitcoin is in the same wallet. That 10 Bitcoin just got completely blacklisted. Oh my gosh. And that, that's a different problem. And the on-ramps of cryptocurrency is unrelated to that, obviously. That's just a matter of them having I, wallet addresses and being able to flag them and blacklist them. But it is kind of related to the on-ramps as well, because if... So Coinbase blacklists these IP addresses, Binance blacklists them because the government told them to and they bend their knee to the U.S. government so they can do that. However, if peer-to-peer currency transactions still existed, you could still find someone out on you know the Tor network or on local Bitcoins who would be willing to buy those, quote, contaminated or blacklisted cryptocurrencies. Mm-hmm. Using your uh, crypto wallet properly uh, is some defense against that syndrome because – if you just remember one QR code and you keep sending every transaction to the same QR code like mm-hmm. you do if you've got a sign-up on the wall, or you likely do, then every Bitcoin that's sent to that address goes to the same place. Right. But there's no way for an outside person to know if you generate then a second QR code, there's no way for an app for a, for a third party to know that that new QR code goes to the same wallet. Right. Even though it opens to the same private key, they don't have the private key to find that out. Mm-hmm. So that's an important part of defending yourself. Is to um, use new wallets. Is to use new wallets. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, 
and also to just obfuscate uh, well, as much as you can. And part of the technology that I think you're overlooking is that, yeah, they're, uh, the dominant portion of the on-ramps are currently know your customer, no doubt. But every single one of those on-ramps is also an off-ramp to know your customer. Everyone who gets Bitcoin from, you know, BlackRock's uh, ugly cousin or whoever. In, th- uh, who, in theory, uh, yeah. Who, who scanned your eyeballs and currently has one of your testicles in a jar for safekeeping. Like, okay, everyone who gets them that terrible way or whatever can also then sell them. In theory. For, for gold, for money, yeah. for goods and services. Right. And I understand that. And that's true. In theory. However, in practice, the U.S. government is literally putting people in prison for selling that currency to other parties. They're calling it money transmission, and they're putting people in prison for it. Well, you just need a license, right? Well, they're not going to give a license to the average show, right? And they're just not going to. That, that's and, unrealistic. Uh, yep. They are protecting their dollar with uh, uh, absolutely unreasonable force, no doubt. Right. So but in theory, there, you know, there any there of those people other can than sell dollars that we trade for. They've also told us what we have to do in order not to be a money transmitter, which is to sell at spot mm. for a particular exchange. I don't know what exchange that is, but it's Open only if you're them. selling it supposedly at a profit mm. that you uh, that you become a money transmitter. If you don't charge a fee, you don't. Now, what I don't know is can you charge a delivery fee? Hmm. Like yeah okay well you ha you traded this many bitcoin for dollars and you oh, now have no. $600 on on your account I don't know why you'd want to even try to play the game like that anyway right they're going to say <laughs> yeah, well this is money is no. transmission you're going to prison like, yeah. that's what they do yeah well they they might my understanding they, is I, it's I, not money transmission if you don't charge a fee you are probably course, right then and again, they will probably put you in jail anyway that's, but I think we're having a disagreement possible. here about what I mean when I say we lost the war. I mean very specifically that we lost the war to keep cryptocurrency decentralized and to keep peer-to-peer transactions feasible and possible for the majority of people. And I don't I, mean that we lost the war for freedom. I don't mean that cryptocurrency is dead. I mean very specifically that all of the activism that I did towards cryptocurrency was aimed at making sure that individuals can acquire cryptocurrency anonymously mm-hmm. and reasonably. And that was gutted. I've always been fascinated by Christianity. I don't say always, but I, I have generally been fascinated by Christianity and Christian history. And this is in many ways because these, this religion and the people following it just like traumatized the hell out of me throughout most of my life. Right. And, I've, and maybe that's why, but I find it a very fascinating subject. I want to know the facts about mm-hmm. Christianity. I want to know what the Bible actually says. And part of this is just you know, raw atheism in general. Every Christian turned atheist has that period where they want to analyze the Bible and study the Bible and know it so they can know the Bible better than Christians. And right. that tends to be true in, you know, in my experience. And any atheist that you point to who's a former Christian is going to know the Bible tenfold better than any Christian, like myself and Bonnie, for example. But well, and it's uh, it, it's a lot like when people study for uh, any religion, really. So uh, Hin- Hindus will often uh, complain about this fact that everyone who comes over here to practice, like they know all of the books. We haven't even read all of the books, and they know them all. That's a really good point as well. Like someone studying to become a Jew studies the Torah much more so than someone who 
was born into Judaism. Yeah, and like they, they'll study it enough to, to pass their test, and that'll be the end of it. But, like, no, if you're a convert, like, A, you tend to be hardcore, and B, you tend to know what you're talking about. Excellent points. I'd never really considered it in that context before, and that, that helps to apply, explain a lot of it. But, in my opinion, a lot of the, quote, Christians through the United States aren't actually Christians. Mm. They are, they believe in a God. Mm -hmm. And because Christianity is so dominant through the United States and Western society in general, it's just, quote, the default religion. Right. So when they believe in a God, they assume they must be a Christian. Hmm. That, that's my general perception of things. They don't read the Bible. They don't go to church. They just believe in God and they believe in a loving God. And they call this Christianity. Hmm. I could be wrong, but that's been my general take. But on the subject of Christianity more as a whole, I had said something about Yahweh and mm -hmm. the history of Christianity that you found interesting. Oh, yeah, absolutely mind-blowing that uh, apparently in the middle of Psalms, there's this story about uh, Yahweh killing his way to the top. Th there is to a degree. Um, well, and, and The whole Old Testament... It has. There, there were many gods that are omitted from the Old Testament. There were a lot of concurrent religions going along around there with the Hittites and the Israelites, the Ju the Judah, not Judahites. What's the word I'm looking for? I can't remember. There's another one I'm the looking Canaanites? for right now. Yes, Canaanites. Thank you. So th they all had their own the regional Samaritans. deity. Mm -hmm. Have yeah. their own thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the Samaritans. Well, yeah. and there's a huge crossover between a lot of those. That's exactly mm -hmm. it. They were all more or less part of the same religion. And mm -hmm. all of these deities, like Yahweh and Baal or Baal, however you want to pronounce it, and countless others, were regional or national deities mm -hmm. that were mm -hmm. all part of this pantheon. It would be like if Americans worshipped um, Zeus, mm -hmm. but the people in the United Kingdom worshipped. Um, Hades or Aphrodite, it's, yeah, insert whatever god. They were all part of the same pe same pantheon, part of mm -hmm. the same group, but they each had their own preferred deity. And Yahweh was the preferred deity of the Israelites. Mm -hmm. He was a storm god or a god of war. It depends on which perspective well, you take. And so I, that's that's where you get into uh, the Elohim part of it. So right, Elohim uh, was the high god. He right. was the head. Of, he was the Zeus of this pantheon. Uh, sort of. Sort of. So, um, weirdly enough, and, and this is where it's completely different from the Western Pantheon. So, in the Western Pantheon, they don't really have a god that does, like, limitations in time. They have a titan that does that. And their whole story is about the titan getting killed by Zeus, right? But in, uh, in, the, in the Far East, uh, the Middle Eastern uh, religions, they have a, uh, a god that is that god of limitations that uh, gets assigned to the planet Saturn, right? So it's like where the limitation, where the stopping point is. So what happens in Psalm 82 is sort of, sort of divorced from all of that. It happens, obviously, Psalm comes way later than all this other stuff. But it is simply this. God presides in the great assembly. He gives judgment among the gods. And it's very specifically plural. That It's very specifically a, a synonym for the word deities, right? There are multiple of these gods, and it doesn't... The word God, as it's used here, it doesn't mean the same thing, right? Like, in the English version, it used the word God and used mm -hmm. the words gods. It would be more accurate to say Yahweh presides in the great assembly. Oh, I, uh, he gives judgment among the gods. Actually, no. Uh, Yahweh usually gets translated as Lord, uh, all well, that, that would be capitals. Adonai. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, so this one, right, right. They, they, they replace word, it with Adonai because they don't like to say the yod heh vav heh. They, they think right. it's uh, uh, blasphemy to do so, which is bizarre in my opinion. Right, but the summary of all of it is that the they're not saying... God, they are specifically saying God's name here, presides right. in the great assembly. Right. How long will you defend the unjust and show partiality to the wicked? Salah, defend the cause of the weak and fatherless. And he goes on for a little bit about how these gods have failed in their duties to uphold righteousness, to uphold, to, to protect the weak, to protect the needy, to help the needy. They know nothing. They understand nothing. Yahweh here is criticizing the other lands. He's criticizing Baal, the god of the Canaanites, and mm. the gods of the Samaria, saying, look, you're the regional gods of these places, and you failed. I would tell you where I see the goddess hidden in the Bible. So if you look uh, just at Genesis, at the very beginning, right? Uh, so uh, the, the spirit of, of, the, of God moves on the face of the waters. Where did the waters come from? Right. God didn't make the waters. The deep was there before Elohim. Like, that's where the goddess is. Like, that's where the, like, absolute infinite potential. But the thing about absolute infinite potential is that it's not life. Well, if you ask, like, the, uh, the Gnostics, then this, this earth wasn't created by Elohim in the first place. It wasn't created by the good gods. It was a, a lesser god, a petty mm-hmm. god who didn't know what he was doing, yep. who was like, I want to be worshipped. I want to be praised. A, a, demo, a demon, effectively, is what this god was. And he created this world. And, and our task as existing beings is to escape this flesh prison and ascend and to return to being one with the high god that, that this petty god tore us from. And I think that's just to put down on the universe. I'm sorry? I think it's just to put down on the universe. They're saying, you suck, universe. And I actually think this is literally the only way that things can be consistent and exist. Have you you watched The Good Place? Yeah. Yeah, I'd kind of like that. Oh, my God. This isn't The Good Place. This is (laughs) The Bad Place. Um, I always kind of thought of that as a statement on Earth. Hmm. You know. Wait a second. This is the bad place. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we're definitely being tested and tried, that's for sure. But, but I really, think the whole point is to make it the good place. I, I mm. tend to think if there's any sort of point, then that's probably it as well. But the one ubiquity throughout the universe, the one truism, the one certainty for everything that exists and everyone that exists is that they will suffer. Mm-hmm. There that's is, true. There, there is no guarantee of happiness. Right. That, it's Things almost don't suffer, though. It's, what, sorry? Things don't suffer, though. Only people. Well, they, they decay. The, their existence ends. And they may not have agency, so they may not refer to it as suffering. But ev- everything dies. And anything that has agency will suffer at some point throughout its life, even if it's just yep. through the act of death. Yep. It is not assured that one will experience joy and happiness. It's almost certain, right? Plenty of people, even in, in the most miserable conditions on the earth, mm. they experience joy at some points in their life. Oh, yeah. But... It's not guaranteed. Like, Suffering, on the other hand... Some turtles only experience soup. Yeah, yes. <laughs> and suffering yeah. is guaranteed. And if I was going to create a universe that was... If I was a flawed God creating a universe, I would almost expect that to be the case, where the only guarantee was suffering. Well, I think suffering is part of what's necessary for consistency. So uh, part of being... I'm so happy the Wormtown guys have arrived. Ah, <laughs> uh, Wormtown! <laughs> Yeah, so part of existing means that there's an infinite number of things that are awesome that you're not doing. I know his name, and I'm killing myself because I can't remember his name now. Okay, can you repeat what you said? (laughs) Because I'm not going to remember it. Right, so uh, 
you're saying that if suffering is part of the deal, well, that sounds like a, a screw up when you built the universe. Yeah. And the thing is, the nature of existence means there's an infinite number of things that are awesome that you're not doing right now. That's also true, and I don't. I don't necessarily have a position on Gnosticism. I tend to think that among the early Christian traditions, mm-hmm. Gnosticism is probably closer to the truth than the the pettiness of Yahweh. But then when I look around, you know, it sort of makes sense that this this petty storm god kills all the other gods and takes control of the earth and was petty in the first place and doesn't know what to do with it now that he's in charge of the earth and. The, the effective result of that is what we see today. Mm. So it, it, it would make sense from that perspective. I just don't happen well, to believe it. So it doesn't, to me, cement his position as a great ant farmer that more than once <laughs> he's had to kill all the ants. There right. is that. Um, you know, that's <laughs> just not... So um, I actually don't attribute agency to God. So I think that in order to, to be God, you have you are like absolutely locked into all of these things. Like, okay, you want a consistent universe where life emerges? Okay, you have to be this forever. And only that set of rules actually creates something that's consistent and alive. Insofar as I believe in a God, and I, I really don't, I think I would agree with you that God wouldn't have agency. But this is because I, the first cause, right? This is the argument that theists and atheists love having. If, mm. if everything had a cause, then something had to be the first cause. And that first cause we call God. And that's like, so the universe had to be created is the mm. argument they're making. And someone had to create it. And whoever it was, whatever it was that created it is what we call God. Mm. And I don't agree with that. For one, it flies in the face of physics. Okay, well, hold on. One of the laws of thermodynamics is that matter cannot be created or destroyed. So why are we ignoring that and assume that the universe, which is nothing but matter and energy, was created in the first place? Okay, yeah, sure. Terminate the infinite regress there and say that the universe has always existed in one form or another and be done with it. Okay. My favorite formulation of the the three laws of thermodynamics are you can't win, you can't break even, and you can't stop playing the game. Christian history, it's it's a lot more intense than most Christians seem to think, right? Mm-hmm. They just, for one, they don't ever read the Bible, so they don't know what the Bible actually says about right. history. And this is why Christians will literally say, no, the Bible doesn't talk about Asherah. Right. And it's like, you're, you're making I that up. I at least knew it mentioned the name. That's right. literally why we know the name. But they will straight up say that th- there's no mention of other gods in the Bible, and like Psalm 82 is right there. And without the context, I did if I had read, and I probably have read Psalm 82 at some point in my life, but if I just read it as a Christian, I would, if I paid attention to what was being said, I would probably be confused right. by Yahweh addressing other gods as being children of the Most High, but they were not his children in the context of that verse. He's, ah, but they'll translate it as the mighty, and you'll just go, oh, must be talking about humans. Mighty, mighty humans. Possibly. Wonder why God's taking the time to talk to these mighty humans about this. Wonder how they messed up and upset the Almighty. Might oh, be well. a reason. But it doesn't fully explain <laughs> yeah. everything, right? Yeah, it's, it's wild. This entire like piece of information is completely cut off because of the way that we're interpreting it. And they do the same thing with like the Book of Revelations, which every Christian out there think is about the almost every thinks it's about the future. Like this is something that's going to happen. Oh well, my God, the rivers and the Euphrates River is dried up. The Antichrist is coming. It's over. Well, it is and it isn't, right? So no, it's very it, clearly well, no, about. No, no, it's on. very so, clearly apocalyptic Jewish imagery for, that yeah, was yeah. about the you know. Uh, what is the emperor's name? The, the first century CE. Nero? Yes, Nero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
so here's the thing, though. In order for it to be effective religious literature, it has to uh, have some depiction of patterns that occur over and over again. And the thing, the thing about Revelations is it is both in the past and in the future because this is a returning pattern. I don't know that I agree that any part of it explains the future. I think a lot of that is just humans being arrogant, oh, well, like like narcissists. Well, part they of it they right, see themselves in the reflection, and well, that's all there is to it. Right, and part of it right now is that you literally have people who are following it like it's a bloody script. Yeah. So, and some so of them look is, forward so, to it. That's the most terrifying thing. There are actual people, likely in this campground, that are <laughs> looking forward to the end of the world. Take me now. And, I'm ready. And these Burn people are cleansing low, nuclear fire. Sweet end the world, God. We're ready. Coming for the care. Like George me W. Home. Bush was a known Christian, right? And like an, an evangelical Christian. And he had his fingers on the bomb. I know. And he could have dropped the nukes at any time. That's freaking terrifying okay what's more terrifying is that like what who actually probably had their finger on that button was cheney who is I who's mean, just as bad yeah terrifying absolutely terrifying and somehow we have managed to not get nuked Th- thankfully and with for trump that. we had poor I mean, punts if something was a also... reason to question atheism i think it's that <laughs> Fair enough, but it, it's scary to think that fundamental Christianity is so pervasive throughout the United States that we, we routinely have presidents, and not just presidents, but congressional officials and just voters in general actively looking forward to the end of the world because of yeah. a misreading of this text that is very clearly about the first century CE. And when they try to explain it in the context of today, they run into countless problems. Like the the very first parts of Revelation, the first three chapters or so, are letters that um, John wrote to other churches of that time. And mm-hmm. there's no way to interpret those as somehow being about the future or the current times. And they, there's this mention at one point of an army of 200 million strong that they had the bodies of locusts and fiery chests or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. typical biblical imagery, apocalyptic imagery. A lot of teenage girls have the bodies of locusts these they, days. They, they like it's the going skinny. Around. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> it's either that or be trans, right? If so, I mean, which one? Which we got to pick I've got the body of a seventeen-year-old. I keep her in the basement. Nice. Very hold dark. on. Hold on. I've got it. I completely lost so, my train of thought. I've got as it. Well. So revelation have that is actually the prediction of radical body modification. We're almost there. Wasp uh, bodies. Sort of. It was about well, the two hundred. We'll they Give also legalized both sodomy and marijuana in most of the United States. So now men who lie together can be stoned. <laughs> so they point to this passage about this 200 million strong army and they they now insist that this is very this is about china the rise of china is predicted in the book of revelations like it doesn't say any such where are the dudes with locust chests or whatever that the bible specifically north korea is where you see that mostly they've got the ribs and they (laughs) but realistically on realistic terms they are just reinterpreting whatever it is they see And like narcissists from mythology, they, they see themselves in it. Well, yeah. their team is against China. And I'm right. sure that if things had been different and the Democrats had wanted to wage war with China, then they would have interpreted Russia as the, the uh, demon hordes of the apocalypse. Well, I'm sure Which they, they did that. during the Cold War. Yeah. Exactly. They've already used that up is why they're using <laughs> China now. 
Right. <laughs> I remember as I was growing up, my grandmother was super concerned about the book of Revelation and stuff, right? Because there's no mention of the United States anywhere within the text, right? right? No, and you'll like, have to go to the Mormon version for that. <laughs> this uh, was her actual concern. What about the whore concern. of Babylon? Isn't that, that, that was my frequently... argument. That was my argument later yeah. on, right? It was mm. this whore that interacted with all the other countries and New York. seems very clearly like the yeah. United States, but... <laughs> I doubt that, though, because well, no, I no, love no, whores. Exactly, exactly. And... Like the, no, that's exactly it. It does fit the pattern somewhat. That's why this is functional religious uh, text is because it has a pattern to but it. But that doesn't and, fit the yeah. pattern. That's well, us reading ourselves into well, right, it. But that's us telling it that it... That's us telling the Bible what it says, not it telling us what it right. says. And the unfortunate no, no, you can't thing say is right that... because that's saying that you're wrong. You just heard highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. You can download full episodes, subscribe to our podcast, listen live and more, all for free at freetalklive.com.